0: Um, and this game is called Monster Train. And the theme of this game is totally crazy. You um, you ride a train through the hell and try to prevent angels or other holy creatures from destroying um, some kind of shard um, of the last hellfire in, in your train. Um, the game is a roguelike deck builder, which is uh, yeah, very much like Slay the Spire. And um, I have to mention, it is a it is a digital game. And um yeah all of uh, all of this uh didn't really blow my mind when I when I first was introduced to the game so I was not too uh, crazy about um playing another um slayer Spire, Spire clone or a new roguelike deck builder um, and the theme as well yeah it sounded kind of weird to me um but since it was uh, recommended to me by a, a good friend of mine who knows exactly what kind of games I like, um, I decided to, to give it a try. And yeah, after only a few rounds, um, yeah, guess what? I was hooked. And it wasn't the theme or the story or the graphics of the game that hooked me. It was merely the mechanics of the game. And since I had the, a similar feeling a while ago when I played Slay the Spire, another a roguelike deck builder. I wanted to take the time today to analyze why these kind of games are so addictive and um, how they manage to create these fun and challenging experiences. What kind of game mechanics are they using to do that? Um, And that's why I want to analyze today the genre of roguelike deck building games and try to figure out um, a few lessons that we can apply for um, board game design as well. Let's start by defining what roguelikes are. For me, they are oftentimes um, dungeon crawler games. And the important thing is that the levels are typically generated procedurally. And um, oftentimes, the the gameplay is turn-based, but that's not a a, a must-have. But really, what is a must-have for these kind of games is that um, death is permanent. That means if, you, if your character dies, the game is over and you have to start um, all over again from the beginning. And um, what all these kind of games have in common is that they are really, really difficult. They are brutal, they are frustrating, and you are going to die. You are going to die a lot in these kind of games. Um, but they somehow manage um, to be not frustrating, but still very fun and uh, rewarding. So to, to simplify that a little bit is um, if you want to describe these kind of games is that you play it as some kind of fast paced trial and error kind of game, um, and you learn from your failures on the way and improve step by step. They are about um, yeah they are about seeing how far you can get before the game ultimately beats you, um, and they usually have a sense of you know, individual progression. Um, to differentiate between them from yeah from say let's put arcade games also like pac-man for example the genre of roguelikes is um, actually pretty old it's one of the first uh, genres in video game uh, history Um, the name really comes from a from a ascii based game from the 1980s which was called rogue Um, but they have never reached really mainstream popularity um just until recently maybe a few years ago or so the first roguelike that really you know, pushed these kind of genre into mainstream f- from my perspective was um, slay the spire and um, that is uh, a very good deck builder roguelike that is a turn-based game And, um, yeah, it achieved one thing that the games before probably didn't achieve in the same way. And that is the, yeah, the reduction of complexity. Roguelikes are, yeah, in their core, very, very complex games because there are so many different variables um, and typically level up abilities, a huge amount of different choices for the players. Um, And you oftentimes need to understand um, at least a good chunk of the game um, and the options in order to be successful. And that means there is a huge um, barrier of entry for new players. Um, and that's probably why these kind of games have really been a hardcore niche for, for a very long amount of time. Um, but the modern roguelikes tend to be a bit easier, at least in the beginning. Um, and that means typically you have a very, very small subset of the entire pool of cards, for example, in um, Spire or um, monster train or other components and other roguelikes um, at your disposal in the beginning Um, these games are still very complex but they achieve to add this complexity over time which i think is one of the main reasons why um, slay the spire or monster train um, are so successful you really start with a super small pool of cards You play a few rounds with your deck, then you get to add a few cards, you play another round, and so on and so on. The more you play, the more cards um, will get unlocked and the more complex the game gets. But as the complexity is added in small, digestible pieces, um, it is so much easier to learn the game in the beginning. And that is actually the first thing that we can uh, really learn from these kind of games. Um, Because if you want to create a complex game, please, please, please introduce the components step-by-step to the players. This creates long-term motivation um, and increases replayability. And the most important thing, it removes a major barrier of entry for new players. But let's get back a little bit to the core of what roguelikes are. They usually have three main aspects to them. Randomized levels, perma-death and incremental improvement. And all of these effects have mass appeal, which at first glance sounds totally irrational. Why should you have fun dying over and over again? Because the game is too hard. Why should you have fun playing the same randomized content over and over again instead of following a beautiful story path that has been thought through by a skilled story writer? Let's take a look at these three concepts in order to find the answers for these questions. Let's start with randomized levels. People really enjoy randomized levels as they enjoy learning how to adapt to um, a game's scenarios via improvisation rather than just learning how to do the same thing repetitively over and over again so let's say you would play it would have a super super difficult level a super mario level for example and you have to play it over and over again this while it is fun for some players is um, for most players less fun than playing a Um, a randomized level over and over again because you um, you have to immediately adapt to the new situation in the game you can still learn um, how to react to certain kinds of monsters or hazards or so but um, you need to do it on the fly with different um, tools for example and the randomized nature of these levels also allows um, yeah for creativity in the solution to every problem and Thus, you constantly are challenging the players um, in order to find the best possible answers with the tools they have available at that time. And people really enjoy the feeling of um, exploring the unexplored. And if designed correctly, roguelikes um, do create a new feeling with every playthrough. This is really, you never get the same run because you have different cards available to choose from you have uh you choose a different character in the beginning um the opponents are different um and so on and these huge amount of different variables that change per run really guarantee that each playthrough is different and um yeah this is what um what is uh the core of of roguelike, permanent change in every playthrough by randomized levels. And people really like, like that, as I said. The second point is the aspect of permadeath. And yeah, why do people like permadeath? Well, this is a bit, uh, bit of a strange enjoyment. <laughs> but I believe people enjoy it because it forces you to change up your strategy every playthrough if you no longer have access to something um, you from the last run for example you do not have any progression you can build on Um, and in addition to that permadeath can give each playthrough meaning Um, people really enjoy that feeling of tension with the games um, for example in in Diablo, I always played on hardcore mode because it was uh, it it created that kind of feeling um, of tension um, for me when i when i when I uh, crawled through the dungeon and every mistake you made um, <laughs> resulted in um, in the death of your character. I really like that. However, it made it quite difficult to play together with other players because if one of uh, one of you dies, um, the entire party is more or less unable to play together because um, yeah, the other player has to start from scratch. So permadeath increases tension. But on the other side, it can of course be very frustrating yeah, if you die and um, you lose everything that you have been working for. Oftentimes you have worked for quite hard, maybe several hours or so and yeah players can easily get the feeling of being frustrated and do not want to to start over again and that is something you need to fight if you create these kind of games Um, although you you may find um, the experience that players gain in form of what monsters are there? What abilities do they, these monsters have? And how do I fight them? Um, what are the dangers in the levels? And so on. These kind of experience that the players gain from a run, um, from one playthrough, um, are also some form of progression in the game. But, um, yeah, simply because they um, they learn how to react better to, to the different situations for the next play playthrough. But I think the form of progression, um, or better called maybe a learning curve, is not enough for players these days to stick with the game. Especially not with a repetitive game like a roguelike. And that's why both um, games that I mentioned today already, Slay the Spire and Monster Train, both have some kind of progression system that that really unlocks more and more content um, per run. And that's the third part which I think makes roguelikes so much so um, much fun because um they have a lot of progression in the game even so you start from scratch with each run um with every playthrough, you unlock new um stronger but also more complex cards and artifacts and enchantments and new heroes um and this kind of persistent progression um yeah that lasts throughout playthroughs and um it is achieved Um, even if you fail to win the game that means you make some kind of progression no matter what and this persistent progression mechanics um yeah really serve the game very well to to enhance the game experience and to help players feel like they are making actual progress even though they're um dying all over again and again um but they do not quit um because they are frustrated, they keep on going because there's something new they could, uh, they could uh, encounter in the, in the next run. They could uh, try another hero or they could um, try another card in their deck or find another card for their deck in the next playthrough or use another artifact or whatsoever. If you have played Slay the Spire or other roguelikes, you're probably very familiar with these kind of concepts. And um, Monster Train, the game that I've played recently, is not too different Um, In that regard but um, it really builds quite a bit on on slay the spire i think they they stole everything from the game that was very good already and they added a few twists to the game that i would say made it even better and um, how these games really work is that you start with a small amount of cards let's say 10 or 15 or so i don't know the number exactly But um, then after you you fight some kind of enemies, and that looks a little bit different in um, Monster Train, but um, after you you have won against these monsters, you get some new cards um, to be added to your deck. And um, what all of these card-based deck-building roguelikes have in common is that they can build very strong Combos and synergies between cards, and that is something that I yeah, that I really, really, really like. And you, after a few rounds or so, you have a good idea um, what kind of deck you want to build, and then you start to to shape out the deck. You you really try to um, to to add the cards to the deck that are necessary that you that you want to build your synergies, and you try to get rid of the cards uh, from your deck that that really yeah are in the way let's call it like that you want to thin out your deck to um to have it as small as possible though that you can um, find your combo pieces and your deck will look very different um each round because um yeah it starts almost always the same at least in slay the spire um it is quite different in um in monster, monster train because you start with a, a few random cards and based on these random cards they make make the um the major part of your deck in the beginning and then you start figuring out how um how to combine other cards with it in order to make the best possible deck and in monster train you choose one of five characters to do so um as a main card and another um character as a supporting class or supporting race um, and you then from tho- those two races you you can find cards during your run um, altogether there are five five of these classes and um yeah throughout the game you can you have a lot of different variables that the, why the game is so complex you can um, level up your hero you can um find cards that, that are monsters or creatures let's call them creatures um and you can find spells and yeah you're driving with your with your train through through the hell and during the combat round the enemies um, really enter your train and yeah they enter at the lowest level there are three levels of the train and they try to climb through these three levels of your train and before they come to the to the top level the fourth and final level where you cannot deploy any heroes or uh, monsters and um there is your engine and if the enemies achieve it to get to the fourth level they will um, deal damage to your um to your engine and um if your engine is um com- destroyed um you lose and you have to start all over again and um, it's your it's your job to to stop and fight these um these enemies on the different levels of your train before they get to the yeah to the top level, and um, yeah that is very interesting because you you have to make the decision where to deploy your um your characters and how to support those characters with with your spells, um in order to fight against the um the opponents, and you have to to really you have to lot a lot of um to plan ahead quite a bit, and um, you get rewarded for that. Each round maybe takes 10 minutes or so and you, you really start try to build your, your engine or so or your, your best combination possible um, in the first few rounds of that uh, combat because at the end at all, uh, all fights end with a boss fight and the boss will um, enter the train and will fight against the, um, the lowest level first until all of your um, characters are dead on that level then it will climb to the second level and fight against all of them there um, and your job is to stop it before it gets to it gets to the top and um, yeah what what this really adds to the game this boss fight at the end is that um, every fight, um, ends in a, in a in a boss fight so it's, uh, the tension rises uh, until the boss comes and then at the end you have this this big fight against uh, against the boss and you um, you try to get um, prepared as well um, as you can um yeah in order to yeah to 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 beat the boss in, at the lowest possible level of your train that sounds yeah that sounds a bit strange um, and it definitely is from the from the story and theme perspective but from the gameplay it's really really a lot of fun what i really like is um, for example the resources are pretty good um, you have uh, i don't know five five um, i don't know how it's called let's say it's ember or mana or whatsoever i don't know the name for it um, and you you need to spend it in order to play cards you need to to spend um, the um, your monsters um, and you need to uh, need to spend this resource in order to play your cards, your spells. Um, and you can um, decide if you want to um, want to improve your run in that way that you will have a lot of resources available. But then there in comes another resource um, into the game that will um, limit what you can do, and that is um, you have a limited amount of slots um at each level of the train where you can deploy your heroes to or your monsters or your creatures i don't know how to call them probably creatures is the correct way and um i think you have four or five i think five slots in the beginning and your creatures take a yeah, different amount of slots if you deploy them um the very tough and strong creature will um, will probably need um Th- three or even four um, of these slots, so that you can will only be able to deploy another very small creature to that um, level of the train as well. But instead of um, yeah leveling up your um, your available mana to play cards, you could also decide to try to um, go another route and try to level up the slots available in the train, so that you will not uh, will be able to deploy um, four, five, six different creatures to. Um, to one level instead of maybe only one or two or three or so so there it plays plays a little bit like um in if if it if i would compare it with magic for example i would say this is a going wide strategy um it's the going tall strategy where you deploy very strong creatures and try to improve them and improve them or you could play another strategy where you deploy a lot of different small creatures um and then maybe have a lot of um triggers when these creatures die so on death triggers or um maybe on deploy triggers when they enter the battlefield and stuff like that so mm, i really like that di- diverse gameplay that you um, these different strategies that you can play in this game and this is yeah even achieved a little bit further by um, by having a very very diverse progression system and um that means Every card, every spell, and every creature has um two slots available um, that you can um enchant and improve the spells um, with during the during the run. So between combat rounds you will um you will find merchants or so that will allow you to, yeah, to enchant your cards. And that could be something like it costs one less resource to play, or it could say it um adds plus twenty magical power to the spell, so it does twenty five damage instead of five damage or so and um, as a as a downside it might um be um, might get a, a little disadvantage that it can only be used once and then it is removed from your from your deck for this combat round um, or it could um, could have a lot of different um other aspec- uh, um aspects so you can really you can really manipulate how the spells work and form them into the direction of your particular playthrough. That is very interesting and um, gives players a lot of choice, um, but you are limited. You only have some choices available. You have uh, three different um, enchantments that you can choose from for your cards and um, you will never get everything that you want. You will never have the perfect run and that is also um, another way of uh, yeah, keeping players um, because they want to retry and retry again um, to, to make these builds even better in the next run. But that is, yeah, that is how the randomization works. You never have all of the enchantments available for example. Every route and every run looks different. And something that I also really much liked about Monster Train, for example, is how their positioning and targeting works in the game. Because um, um, your monsters and the opponents um, are sitting in front of each other in a row and um, you always have to fight the first one, the first minion first. um, And once the first one is killed um you can then attack the next one in the in the line. But um, yeah, if the first one is a very strong tank with a lot of armor and a lot of life points, um, it can very well protect the Yeah, the maybe the, the better damage dealers in the back of your of your row. And you can you can use that as a tactic for yourself to protect your your um your weaker damage dealers but you also need to find a way through your your opponent's defenses and i thought quite a bit about a, about a good combat system for my drafting game and um i think they did a very very good job in um implementing a very nice uh, positioning and targeting system there are also some some keywords that get around that for example there's uh, the keyword reach that lets you attack all of the other opponents not only the first one in their in their line that means um, that's very strong because you deal not only damage once you deal it as often as um, opponents are in that lane and you also um, can attack the um, the weaker opponents in the in the back with this ability and um, also another another tactic could be um that you have um thorns where what which means that if your opponent attacks you um it gets damaged back. That is also a way of uh um overcoming this um this positioning um of a very strong tank in the begin in the first in the first spot. And they have a really, really interesting um keywords. Some of them are one one to one stolen by um uh, stolen from Slay the Spire and I think they they stole the good ones. And they added quite a few of um, interesting new game mechanics, and um, yeah, I don't want to t- talk about all of them today. But um, for example, I really, really like how they implemented the healing in the game, because um, when you when you have decided uh, try to um, to invent a healing mechanic for an RPG game or a, a dungeon crawler whatsoever, oftentimes the healing is the most difficult mechanic to to achieve at least that's true for me and um, often healing is just boring yeah if um, and in many games like in for example in gloomhaven or so healing is often the weakest possible choice so if you heal one of your allies that means okay maybe the ally doesn't die next round or so but you didn't improve on the board really because the opponent is still there and if you have the chance to 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 play a damage spell to kill one opponent or heal one of your allies it's almost <laughs> all the time it's better to to play the damage spell because you will reduce the incoming damage over um, in the future by killing your enemies as soon as possible and um, how they implemented healing is really nice because um, healing is implemented as a tri- as a trigger at least for one of the races that means if Uh, uh, a unit is healed something nice triggers for example that could could mean you can combine damage and healing so let's say you have a one one unit that says whenever it gets healed it deals 30 damage to the first um, opponent that means you have now a good uh, you have have, uh, a good incentive to really play a healing based um build and i really like that and they have a um a lot of different possibilities because they implemented healing as a as a trigger, and that is I think that is a very very nice thing to do, and I will definitely um, play around with that for for my future designs. Another aspect that I really like is that you can make some cards uh, reusable, so um, that when you play the card or the a creature is killed, for example, it will not go to your discard pile. It will go on top of your deck again, and that means you can you can build some strategies in which you have one card available every turn, and that adds a lot of new possibilities for different builds. But it oftentimes is not as consistent because you need to find the card that makes the other card persistent first, and you have to both have to have both of those cards at the same time. Um, to to get to that strategy, so you need to combine two cards um, first to to get to a very nice um, end game strategy or so, and um, yeah, you for example, if you want to go that route, you need to make sure that your deck is quite small, so that you will be able to find those two cards. And as you can see, there are so many different strategies in this game that yeah, there's that you want to (laughs) retry. And if you died, you you are not really frustrated. You just think, oh. Maybe I want to want to go that route the next time because I think it's quite interesting. And um yeah, that is possible because the game has so many different variables and is um uh, yeah, as mentioned, quite complex. And the good thing really is the cards do not really need to be completely balanced because your runs of course are random anyway and you do not play against other players so there is no let's say there is no meta game like in magic where one deck is always superior or so no it's not the case because you will never ever get the same the same deck um in two uh, in two runs you always have to adapt to the new to new strategy and i think this is very very interesting for for game design um in general, because um, I know balancing can be quite hard, and um, if you find a way to, to get around it and um, to make your game so random but still fun um, that you and that you can have different um, power levels of the cars, this is something that I fin- find quite interesting. And um, these kind of games really manage to yeah to do that, but now. Yeah, but now really comes the downside if you look um, look at it from a board game um, or physical card game perspective, because many many of these um, yeah you know, core elements of of these kind of games are pretty difficult to implement in a physical game. We have at on one side we have the randomization, which of course can be done by shuffling a deck or so, but it's quite difficult and cumbersome to do it, uh, to do everything in the same way a computer is doing it in the background. And the same is true for, for all this um, complexity in, in the combat, for example, because in, in Monster Train or in um, Slay the Spire as well, cards really it can happen that two creatures fight 10 or 20 times against against each other. And you would would have to de, do a lot of math um, if you would implement it in the same way as if in a physical game, and then you have all that customization of the of the different cards with these um, enhancement slots that you can do over um, the entire run, which is it is so awesome to do that, um, but um, it has turned out to be quite difficult to um, to change cards and to. To do that in a physical game, you can do this with tokens, or so. You can do this with um, sliding cards over each um, each other. Um, there have been implementations like that where you can combine cards. But it is, yeah, it is much more complicated than it is in um, in a computer game. But it is possible, and I think um, there are also already quite a few games out there that um, that have done have done this. Okay, that's pretty much. Um, it for today i wanted to talk a little bit about um the genre of deck building roguelike games and i think slay the spire and monster train are the yeah the two elephants in the room because i think they are both very very good games but if you are really into this genre i can also um recommend card quest it's a less known game um but i think it also has some very nice um interactions and um, interesting cards and it is uh, worth checking out on Steam or i think it's also available as an as an app as well so as a conclusion i would say these uh, roguelikes games really they combine randomization permadeath and some kind of progression um, together in order to make really really good gameplay and if you for your game looking are looking for some kind of challenge system or form of this discovery or so maybe some of these um, of these examples i mentioned today um, are for you and i would love to see a good implementation of these kind of mechanics in a in a physical physical game or a board game and um, yeah i know there are some out there that are using this but um, i have never had the same the same feeling that i want to jump into the next run right away um, that i have with these um with these uh, two games that i've mentioned today okay that's it for today thank you very much for listening and until next week keep shooting for the moon and nerd like a boss goodbye